Hey everybody, Dave McEwen here and welcome to another episode of Lead Like You Give a Damn where I speak with leaders and leadership experts who have cracked the code on leading with authenticity, purpose and effectiveness. I have a great show for you today. Um, With me is Donald Miller who is the CEO of StoryBrand. And StoryBrand um, works with business leaders to help them clarify their message so they can connect with their customers. And in this show, we go through a really simple but powerful framework that Don teaches his clients. Not only is it a good framework for clarifying your marketing and your sales message, but I truly believe it's a powerful framework to really view how you lead and how you get your message across to your team and within your organization. So it's a great show. I hope you enjoy it. Let me know if you have any uh, questions and we will get stuck right in. Well, hey, Don, thanks so much for do- joining us today. How are you doing on this lovely Friday afternoon? Wonderful. It's better to be talking to you. <laughs> oh, you are. You are too kind. You are too kind. <laughs> um, so, so, Don, I know that you um, have moved somewhat from uh, developing a cult following towards developing more of a mainstream following. Um, so for the few folks on the call who don't actually know who you are, um, give us a bit of a background. Who's Donald Miller? What do you do? Well, I wrote books for years. So I had about seven, eight books that I, I wrote. Spent about 10 to 15 years doing that. And in order to write those books, I had to study the elements of story, you know, to keep people turning the pages. And when it came time to shift careers, the publisher wanted another book and I, I didn't want to do it. I found myself consulting with some companies to help them clarify their message, to to decide what words they would use on their website, what words they would use in their email blasts, all these kinds of things. And I fell back on all that story structure learning I'd done. Story structure, story is the most powerful tool there is to compel a human brain. I mean, people pay attention when they hear a story. So I, I just accidentally developed this framework, the seven part framework that helps the company clarify their message and started taking companies through it. You know, immediately we had Procter and Gamble and the White House uh, called us and uh, Ford Lincoln and Chick-fil-A and uh, it just worked. I mean, it, you know, it, it was, it worked on in, in two ways. One, it, it helped more consumers uh, be uh, aware and understand what a company offered. So it worked to create but it also worked uh, from the, the position of, of sort of internal messaging. Employees, right. team members finally understood, oh, this is the story that we're inviting customers into. These right. are the plot points. And you know, when you get clarity of mission amongst your team members, it, it of course affects the bottom line. So it was, it was a, a happy accident. I consider myself the Forrest Gump of this, uh, this line of work. And, uh, <laughs> but I, I'm so grateful because it, it, you know, it's hard to write. I, mostly what I wrote were memoirs. And right. if you write your eighth memoir, Dave, you're a clinical narcissist. And I was unwilling <laughs> to cross that line. <laughs> I know I'm a narcissist, but I don't want to be a clinical narcissist. <laughs> yeah, <it's laughs> so so, I'm so grateful for a career shift. I'm so grateful it worked out. I feel blessed. That's, that's incredible. And I, and I want to get into this accidental tool that you, um, yeah. uh, that you stumbled upon at some point. But so, so you were writing mostly memoirs yeah. originally. Uh, with What made you want to do that in the first place? And yeah, you had such I, I an exciting a, life that you just needed to get it on paper? No, yeah. I, I, I'm the least accomplished memoirist ever in terms of what <laughs> I actually live. But, you know, there was a part of my personality ever since I was very young that was very self-reflective. I was always asking yeah. myself, why am I doing what I'm doing? And so whenever I would have a breakthrough in life, uh, whether it was figuring out some, some uh, part of uh, having greater self-esteem or figuring out relationships uh, a little bit better, I, I, I 
I, I process that in in written word, and right. I, I just happened to be to do that and printed a, a one book and it sold a lot of copies and people wanted more and publishers wanted more and uh, so I became a professional uh, belly button gazer. <laughs> <laughs> I would just search in my own belly button in order to pay rent. It's the weirdest time. <laughs> but, you know, I mean, it was, there's sort of a funny element to my books, you know, and right. a lot of it was, was comedic. And, uh, uh, but it was a blast. I, I have no, I have zero regrets about right. uh, that, that season. I'm extremely thankful. Uh, but it was, it was also really, you know, uh, I feel like I get to live two lives. I get to live the memoirist life, and now I get to live this, this sort of life where I'm helping businesses clarify their message. They seem very separate, except what people don't realize about being any kind of successful writer, you have to be entrepreneurial. You have to be right. able to go out and promote yourself. You have to be able to synthesize messages. You have to be able to convince people uh, not only to buy your book, but to actually turn the page and keep right. writing. So right. to some degree, you, you, you are in messaging if you're a writer. And to be able to translate that and say, okay, well, how can I do this for uh, a corporation? Uh, it's way more of a natural step than you'd probably think. Right. So talk us through that process. Did you just wake up one day and say, ah, you know what, I'm bored with the writing. Let's go, you know, sell this model to um, some organizations or was it a bit of a more no. of a slow process? It was, a, uh, it was one of those Forrest Gump stories. <laughs> <coughs> Sorry, let me cough there. Yeah. It was one of those Forrest Gump stories. I, um, I'd written a bunch of books and my assistant, Tara, at the time said, Don, you should do a conference. Like you should invite all the people who've read your books to a theater and talk to them. And I thought, oh, that's interesting, you know? So I did it and we, we rented a theater of 700 seats, 350 people showed up. And uh, I considered that because I'm, I'm sort of a, a, a type A guy, I consider that a failure. I mean, you know, half the, half the theater's empty. I'm not a, you know, there's all this talk of be a glass is half full guy. No, there's no benefit to you. Let's have it, call, call it like it is, a fail. And uh, I, I, I thought, oh man, you know, I would really like to keep doing this because, you know, when you write a book, you're alone in your boxers. And when people read it, they're alone in their boxers. And you don't have this human interaction. And I like the human interaction part. And so, you know, I, I did that. And um, I, the surveys for that first conference came back. They were very high. People really loved it. And I thought, problem solved. I've got a right. great product, if you will. And so we're going to fill up this theater next time we do it. Well, we did it again. Half the seats were empty. And I, and I thought, okay, we got a problem. And a business guy, a friend of mine, pulled me over, pulled me aside, and said, "Look, you you sold millions of books, and you're selling 350 tickets to this event. Something's mm -hmm. not right." And I was like, "Okay, well, thanks for telling me what I already know." Uh, mm -hmm. And then um, I I got on a plane one morning. I was at the time living in Portland, Oregon. I got on a plane to Indianapolis, Indiana. I was going to speak in Indiana that night, and the gentleman sitting next to me, Dave, you're going to love this. He was reading my latest book. Now that had never. <laughs> I'd never seen my book in the wild. I was like, this is great. But I didn't know what to say. Girl. What do you say? You know, you say, can I read this to you? It'll be like an audio book. I, you know, I don't know what to say. And uh, I, so I said, do you like that book? And he said, oh, I love this book. You know, it's the third time I've read it. I'm flying to Indianapolis tonight to hear this guy speak. I thought, you are kidding me. And I, I confess, I never told him who I was. I figured he'd oh, figure right. it out. Certainly he would. Right. Right. I just didn't. But for two hours, he told me about my books and... He never, yeah, but my picture is on the back cover, so it's right. Clearly, don't go to the back of it, which actually shows you that's proof that the picture you use on the back cover is your best possible picture when nobody can humanly recognize you in person. <laughs> yeah. And so, um, I, you know, we had this great conversation, but 
he was he was incredibly vague and he he, he said these words and it kind of haunted me he said you'd have to read them to understand and i thought mm. that does not make me want to buy that book in fact the more he talked the less i wanted to buy my own books and the less i wanted to hear myself speak that night and and i thought i need to change this I, i'm really good at writing 300 pages i'm really good mm. at the details I'm not good at a summary that somebody could say to make them want to buy my books. That right. was the inciting incident, if you will. That was the problem that I needed to solve. Little did I know at the time, that was the problem every company is trying to solve. Without, without knowing it, trying to summarize in one sentence or a few sentences a message that will make people want to buy their product. And so I went back to that age-old, 2,000-year-old tool, the elements of story that I've been using to write books for years. And right. I knew the, the human brain daydreams 30% of the time. Uh, daydreams. Daydreams, and that's actually a survival mechanism. It's a rest mechanism to conserve calories that you may need later in case there's a potential threat. That's why you daydream. <laughs> and, I, wish, I wish I didn't daydream so much because I don't think I need those potential calories. <laughs> yeah, wait until there's a threat. You won't daydream at all, I promise. And, uh, and so I, I, uh, I, I, and when, they're, when they're locked into a story, they don't daydream at all. So right. we need people to pay attention to our business and get excited about it and be attentive and not tune out. And so I pulled out these elements of story. I was in a cabin in Asheville, North Carolina. I was going to spend a couple of days thinking about it and then move on with my writing project. I never stopped thinking about it. I ended up writing 78 hmm. pages, exploring the elements of story as a filter, as a kind of Six Sigma framework to hmm. filter my own company message. I created that framework with no intention of sharing it with anybody. Uh, ran my company through it, and we quadrupled in revenue immediately. I mean, fairly immediately. We went from 350 people to 700 seats sold out two months before the event to a different theater with 1,400 seats to a different theater with 2,400 seats. We, di we didn't spend a dollar on advertising. What happened was exactly. I gave people messages that they easily memorized and told to their friends. And when their friends heard that message, they said, sounds like I need that too. Where do I go to buy it? Right. Instead of my grandfather started the company and we're trying to increase our great places to work metric and we trust is a big value of ours. None of that means anything to anybody. Right. You know, what means something is a sound bite that people hear and they say, where can I get that? I need that. I have that problem. Right. And so the elements of story tease that out. Uh, word got around a little bit that, that I had this framework because I was talking about it and I was geeking out on it, you know, just, just uh, amongst friends and uh, business uh, associates. And mm -hmm. we started getting hired. And, you know, again, it was Procter & Gamble. And I think they were the first one. Talk about scared to death. Procter oh. & Gamble called and said, can you give a keynote on that? You, you <laughs> between Facebook and Google at our marketing summit. And I said, oh, my gosh. That's incredible. You, I, no, no. I was like, I looked at my COO, Tim, and I said, let's do it like a hidden camera show. Let's do it and fake them into believing that we are marketing experts. <laughs> right. We did it, and the whole room... You know, of course, it's not, I'm not a genius. This stuff is 2,000 years old, right? It's just right. playing this way. And the whole room turned and was like, will you actually help us with this Queen Latifah campaign? Can we run this? Can we filter this by you? And I thought, Have, this is crazy. And yeah, it just wrong. became obviously so valuable. We actually shut down the original conference company. And for the past four years, uh, we, we average about 3,000 companies a year that we, we work with. Our facilitators work with them. Our coaches work with them. And it's proven to be, one, incredibly inexpensive because words are free. Mm -hmm. There's no price, there's no cost, except for time, to sitting down with a napkin and figuring out how you're gonna word things. You just need, you need a framework, you need a coach, you need a guide to help you uh, ask the right questions that people are actually 
asking so that you can mm -hmm. answer them the way they want your product. And uh, it's been off to the races. And for my kind of, um, you know, the way my, my mind works, I, I like to, to dive deep into a topic, solve it, and come out and dive deep into the next one. So I feel like right. almost every day or every other day, I get to go start another business that already exists and is already making money and already has wonderful people. And that's awesome. yeah, it's really fun. That's great. So I, I know people pay you uh, big bucks to share the model uh, with them and walk them through it. Um, but do you have a sort of a Cliff Notes freebie version that you could uh, share with our folks today? What is this framework for simplifying your message? I do. I'll share it really quickly. And then if you like, we can actually break it down. But, awesome. but it's the same as a story. And a story is a hero, a character that has a problem, who meets a guide that gives them a plan and calls them to action that either ends in a failure, which is a tragedy, or a mm. success, which in literary terms is sometimes called a comedy. So mm. those are the seven parts of the framework. And I would say that in order to, un to, to create a messaging framework that you can execute in all of your marketing collateral, including your website, your email blast, your elevator pitch, every time you stand up and talk about your business in any way, there's things that you wanna do. And first you wanna define what is it that your customer wants. You have mm. to define it very specifically. You cannot be vague and you cannot define too many things that your customer wants. If I invited you to a movie and Jason Bourne wanted to know who he really was, and also wanted to marry the girl, and also wanted to lose 30 pounds, and was thinking about adopting a cat. You would lose the audience. <laughs> you would lose the audience because uh, you're causing, you're asking them to think about too many things, and right. that's asking them to burn too many literal calories, and their, their brains are designed to stop burning calories, to stop thinking whenever they cannot associate what you're saying with their survival. Right. If your customer can't figure out within, I think, three seconds how your product will help them survive and thrive, they will tune you out. And rightly so, because they're trying to stay alive on this planet. And right. it can be at times a hostile planet. So they can't waste a bunch of calories hearing about your story. That's a big paradigm shift. People say, Don, we want you to help us tell our story. And I say, that's a great way to go bankrupt. I want you to invite customers into a story. And the first, the first thing you do in order to do that is to find something they want. Right, Geico customers know if they want to save fifteen percent on car insurance, they 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 call Geico. Right, so Geico is inviting them into a story where they can save fifteen percent on car insurance. But let's say Geico had it a really really elusive ad. They say call Geico because we're very trustful people and our values are excellence and love and grace and provision and we have a really wonderful great places to work metric. And <laughs> our grandfather started the company and we have a lizard and the reason we have the lizard is because. We're a company that can survive in the desert or in the jungle, so call us. How much business? We're not going to do any business. Right. It's amazing, Dave. You go to these companies' websites, and God bless you. That's what you're doing. Right. Vague, elusive imagery, and we haven't defined something saying, this story is about Jason Bourne, and he doesn't know who he is. So why do you think people do that? What, what leads us to these crappy, obscure statements about what we do? Well, it's the same thing that makes, helps me make mistakes even at StoryBrand. We're so close to it. Right. We're so close to it. And we see these 37 problems that we solve, and they're so beautiful, and we create all this mm. value. But then when we try to say, well, these are the 37 problems we solve, people just go, oh, that was really heavy for a first impression. I think I'm going to tune out. Right. So what we're really talking about is rolling out the information slowly, strategically, 
in such a way that human beings can actually follow us. So the reason we make mistakes is because of what Lee Lefebvre calls the curse of knowledge. He right. says we're so close to our products and services that uh, we, we just can't define it very easily anymore. And it, it, sometimes it does take an outsider to tease it out of us. And, you know, when, when people come to our workshops, our coaches all the time will say, what you're really saying is this. Right. And the, the client will say, oh, my gosh, you're right. That's exactly what we offer. And, it, you know, uh, it's hard when you're that close to it. It's hard when you're that close to it. Right. Got you. Um, so, so this framework, this model, um, you know, as you were going through it, I'm, I'm thinking to myself, this seems like I've watched a movie that follows this pattern or this, you know, it's like, I feel like this is familiar to me. I mean, I guess that's the whole point, right? It's incredibly familiar because it's every movie you've ever seen. It's, you know, <laughs> movies are incredibly formulaic. They start with a character who wants something and that something is defined. And then they move into a problem. There's something that, that is keeping them from getting what they want. And, and the business paradigm shift for us here is the only reason anybody's going to your website, the only reason anybody's walking into your retail store, the only reason anybody's calling back your sales rep, the only reason anybody's opening your email and clicking buy now is because they are trying to solve a problem. Hmm. And if we haven't clearly defined what that problem is, we have not opened a story loop in our customer's brain. And what you want to do in marketing and messaging is you want to open a story loop that they have to buy from you to close. Hmm. So if, if, if I say, um, you know, if your roof needs to be replaced, you got to understand most roofing companies are going to sell you an inferior product that you're going to have to replace within the next seven years. It's going to cost you a lot of money. But our product is not inferior at all. In fact, it lasts 15 years. Well, the story loop that I just opened is, one, my roof needs to be replaced, and two, everybody else is going to rip me off. The only way I can get a quality roof that lasts and, and is worth the money I'm going to pay for it is if I call those guys. Right. So you open a story loop, and then you offer to close it when you click buy now. That's all about one, defining what the customer wants, and then defining the problem that is keeping them from getting what they want. Those are the first two steps in marketing, and they're the first two steps in uh, a story as well. So the reason it's familiar is it's roughly every television show you see, although serial television uses a different formula, it is the formula used in every movie that you see. I got it, got it, got it. And you, you mentioned two key roles as well in the framework, the hero and the guide. Yeah, Sh share a little bit what, about that. Who plays what? what? What does that mean? Am I the hero? Are you the hero? Am I the hero? You know, yeah, well, that's the next step. That's the third step in, in, the, in the marketing framework and the story. Once our customer has a problem, once our hero has a problem, we know intuitively as a movie-going audience, this hero is not going to be able to solve this problem. So since the days of Aristotle, since the days of Plato, They've brought another character into the story. That character, right. depending on the scholar you, you read, is the wizard or the mentor. Uh, we call that character the guide. Mm. The guide exists in the story for one reason, to help the hero win. That's it. They don't have, uh, the story's not about them. Uh, sometimes the camera is on the guide quite a bit, but mm. the story's not about the guide. The, the guide is there to serve the hero. We say at StoryBrand, and I believe this, firmly, and we've seen it over and over and over, never play the hero in the story, always play the guide. Always right. play the guide. And the reason you want to play the guide is for two reasons. If, 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 if you make the story of your company all about you, and if you tell your story without inviting somebody into a story, you're doing two things. One is you're positioning yourself outside of your customer's story, separated mm -hmm. from your customer's story. 
if I'm a hero in a story and you're a hero in a story, by nature, we are in different stories. So when you begin to position yourself as the hero, this great company that's going to try to accomplish great things, that's wonderful for internal messaging, for creating unity inside. Right. Terrible for external messaging. Because what you're saying to me is, uh, you've got a story and I've got a story, but I'm trying to survive here and you're trying to survive here and you're not doing anything to help me survive. You're trying to help yourself survive. That's the first reason you never want to play the hero. The second reason you never want to play the hero is the hero is intrinsically a weak character. We always think mm. of heroes as, you know, the rock, big, strong. They're only strong at the end. They're only accomplished at the end, the last nine minutes. So that's how you remember them. The whole 90 minutes leading up to that, they were ill-equipped, afraid, unwilling to take action. They didn't know if they could get the job done, and they were in desperate need of help. Mm. So, so what if one of your customers called you and said, you know, Dave, I really need help scaling up my business. I really need help growing my business. I need your expertise. And I happen to know you well enough to know you are the guy. You are the guy to call. <laughs> no question. Well, let's say just for fun's sake, you said, oh, my gosh, that sounds terrifying. Okay, I'll help you, but I'm scared to death. I have no <laughs> idea what you're doing. Maybe you can help me, and we could do this together. Maybe you could pay me a lot of money because I've got a mortgage. I, you're not going to do any business. But, right. and so, but we know that heroes are weak. And so when you position, you know, here's a, a really great way to say it. Strong, accomplished people think about others. Weak, mm. hurting people think about themselves. I love that. When, when you're in pain, and I've been in pain before, you've been in pain before, physically, if you have a toothache or, you know, if you're emotionally hurting or something, you're looking for comfort. You're, you're looking to, for other people to join in your story and help you. But when you're strong, you're looking around, and you're going, you know, geez, I got everything I need here. Who can I help? Who can I help? Because it's so fun to help people. And, you know, I know you well enough to know that's your personality, right? And so that's a guide personality. So when people smell that, when they say, mm. hey, that guy doesn't need anything, they just want to help me win. Mm. Our heroes go, oh, my gosh, that's the guide I've been looking for. And it's, they come to us. So Coca-Cola does it. Uh, uh, Apple does it. Home Depot does it. Uh, any giant brand that is successful knows it's not about you. It's about right. the customer. Just to take a bit of a segue away from the marketing <coughs> side of things, we'll return to finish the framework because I think it's important. But what you're talking about there specifically about heroes and guides kind of hit a, 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 a nerve or resonated with me. Have you ever thought about it in terms of the concept of leadership just in general and the difference between being a hero and a guide in a position of leadership versus those that you work with? You know, I get that question all the time and even right. have a, uh, a file on my computer called the story driven leader where I'm just mm. taking notes on it. It's not something I want to write about right now because I'm having a blast helping people with their marketing message. But right. I see I see people like Hillary Clinton. Mm. Who's, uh, whose slogan was, I'm with her. Mm. Well, I'm, if I'm with her, she's the hero. Right. I saw her, I saw her the most qualified presidential candidate in certainly recent history, mm. in the biggest political upset in modern political history. Why? I'll tell you why. She positioned herself as the hero. She right. did not invite, invite her voters into a story. Mm. She told her story. And everybody, nobody knew why they were doing it. Mm. But they couldn't get passionate about her. They couldn't. You know, she positioned herself in two as, in two ways. One is the hero, and and in another way, she positioned herself as the victim. Mm. People don't follow heroes, and they don't follow victims. They only follow guides. Mm. And, and and you know, then Ted Cruz trust Ted. America didn't. 
Uh, Jeb Bush, Jeb can fix it. It's about Jeb. Jeb wasn't able to fix it. He wasn't able to get more than 3% of the, <laughs> the popular vote. So, you know, this stuff, the ramifications of this are really enormous outside of marketing. If, right. if you, here's the thing, as human beings, we're just talking about human beings now. Everything that you think you want, everything that you think you will get by playing the hero, you will get by playing the guy. And I mean, right. respect, affirmation, adoration, a ton of people at your funeral, people willing to, to uh, sit and listen and learn from you. All of that comes when you stop telling. Now, there are aspects of your story that you can tell. And the aspects of your story that you can tell, and they're actually incredibly beneficial for you to tell, are, I used to struggle with what you're struggling with, but now I don't. Right. And I can get you out also. Hmm. That part of your story, and I did it. I opened up this podcast by talking about struggling with messaging, figuring out a framework. Now I don't struggle with it. So a lot hmm. of people go, I heard Donald Miller's story on this podcast where he told a story. I didn't. Mm. All I told you was I used to struggle with you struggle with, then I figured this thing out and now I don't anymore and I can help get you out too. So for everybody listening, just think about that for a second. When did you struggle with what your customers struggled with? When did you figure out how to solve it? What does life look like now that you've solved it? And now take your customers through that journey that you just paved with your own life. Mm. And what they will hear you say is, I am your guide to get you out. Are they interested in, you know, the fact that you've got so many kids and you went to the Grand Canyon this year? I think they're interested in that only after you've positioned yourself as a guide. Until you position yourself as a guide, they're wondering what use they have for you in their survival. Right. So we, uh, fascinating, thank you for, um, uh, I can't even remember the word I'm looking for, but uh, going with me down that detour. Um, so now we've positioned ourselves as the guide, the customer, uh, potential customer trusts us. What's next? How do we, how do, how do we finish it off? In stories, you, you'll see that the guide gives the, the hero a plan. You know, Obi-Wan right. Kenobi or Luke Skywalker, you know, to Luke Skywalker or Yoda. They say, look, get in the X-Wing fighter. You got to go down this trench. You got to shoot this photon torpedo through this exhaust valve. You got to blow up the Death Star. There, mm. there's, this, there's this strategy. And regardless of what we're selling, plumbing equipment or financial consulting or whatever, customers respond when a guide gives them a three-step plan. Now, you can also do a four-step plan, but studies show three-step plans are perfect. So if you're a financial advisor, you want to say, look, here's how I work with you. We have a listening session, then I give you a custom strategy, then three, I help you execute that strategy. There's a number of reasons for that, but the reason that, that customers like that is because it gives direction to their lives. It gives them, you know, you can't just say, hey, I can solve that problem for you. What, right. what you want to say is, hey, I can solve that problem for you in three steps. Here are the steps. And for some reason, when we hear three steps, our subconscious hears, that's easy. I can take right. those steps. And, and so the next, the next thing you want to do is give them three steps in order to do business with you. Or if you have a complicated product, if they do business with you, you will solve their problems in these three steps. Again, you can have four. If you have five, you have too many studies. Hmm. And then you want to call your customers to action. Customers, uh, you know, heroes don't take action on their own. They have to be challenged to take action. And so we want to call our customers with a direct call to action that is incredibly clear and defined. That means there should be, this is the most basic, you know, the book gets into all the, the, the ways you can do this. But at, at its most basic level, there should be a buy now button or a schedule a consultation button at the top right of your website. And that should be a different color. 
and it should be the obvious button to press. If it isn't, you're not calling your customers to action very directly. But we have to really say, I want you to do business with me, and here's how. And then finally, Dave, the sixth and seventh step, we need to give our customers a vision of what their life can look like if they do business with us. But we also need to let them know what life will look like if they don't. These are stakes. And if there are no stakes in the story, if nothing can be won or lost as to whether or not I take action, nobody's going to follow the story. You know, if, if Liam Neeson has to disarm a bomb, but we, the movie-going audience, know that bomb is full of baby powder and isn't going to hurt anybody, <laughs> you ruin the movie because nothing bad can happen to the, the hero or the, 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 the victims in, in, the, in the movie. So we have to be able to say, look, if you do this, you're going to make a lot more money. And if you don't, you're going to continue to struggle and be frustrated with, uh, with whatever it is that, that problem I solve. And, and so uh, the stakes are incredibly important. So, you know, a, a summary view, define something your customer wants, define a problem, keeping them from getting it, position yourself as the guide, give them a three-step plan, make sure you're calling them to action, make sure they know what terrible thing can happen to them if they don't buy your product, and finally, give them a vision for what their life can look like if they do buy your product. Wow, what an incredibly simple framework, and, and no wonder that um, your business has been growing, as my grandmother used to say, like the clappers over the, <laughs> these last number of years. I, I'd love to just shift gears a little bit for the last couple of minutes that we have here, and just, just ask you, just you personally, what, what are you learning as your own business is growing? You know, I, mean, I, I go back, Dave, to the, the, the caveat, the little uh, rabbit trail we took on leadership. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, it's hard to, it's hard to live as the guide all the time, but the more, <coughs> <coughs> sorry, I'll have to edit that out. <coughs> the pollen in Nashville. Um, <laughs> it's hard to live as a guide all the time. Uh, but the more I position my heart to help others, um, the more fulfilled I am. And, and mm -hmm. part of that is because, you know, you've experienced this too. Once you have some success under your belt, a little bit of it, you kind of realize it's not as meaningful as you thought it was going to be. Right. When you help other people experience that success, you actually find that meaning that you were looking for. And so it's not that I never play the hero. That is, it's not that I'm never, you know, ill-equipped or scared or filled with self-doubt. When it comes to marketing, I'm not. But when it comes right. to other things, you know, I, 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 I experience that. So, you know, there's times when you go back and forth. Uh, but for me, the, the, the biggest paradigm shift for me hasn't even been about business. It's been about my marriage. It's been about my friendships. Huh. It's been about sitting down with somebody over coffee and saying, what are you trying to accomplish? What are you trying to accomplish in your marriage? What are you trying to accomplish in your relationship? What are you trying to accomplish in your business? And then if I have anything to offer them on that, and a lot of times, you know, the main thing you have to offer is just a, a kind listening ear. Right. Uh, that they, I just want to guide people. What I've found is the, the, the closeness in those relationships that happens, you know, they turn around and ask me the same questions. And you know, this gets very complicated, but you end up serving as guides to each other. And aren't right. those the best kinds of friendships when both yes. of you are acting as guides in different compartments of each other's lives? There's this, there's this sort of mutual leadership. I'm leading yes. you and you're leading me. And also this mutual submission. I'm submitted to you and you're submitted to me. To me, those are the kind of dances and relationships that are so very fulfilling. And as much as my company's grown and we've, we've experienced all kinds of success, and as much as the companies that we work with are experiencing all kinds of success, I still go back to the personal ramifications of these paradigm shifts or, or right. what life is really about. 
Well, yeah, and and without relationships and good, positive, open, transparent, loving relationships, yeah. I mean, ultimately, what is life, you know? Yeah, you don't have, we don't have time for anything else. Uh, if anybody on the call is looking to find you out, where, where's the best place to go to, to see you? Yeah, easy. Storybrand.com. My book is Building a Story Brand. And if you buy my book, the royalties from that book go to a couple places. One of them goes to uh, uh, Lipscomb University Scholarship where we take uh, young kids who are marginalized, who would not otherwise have opportunities, who are showing already in high school entrepreneurial instincts, and we mm. give them a partial scholarship to Lipscomb University. And so when you buy the book, you're not just you know, helping uh, solve your own problem, you're, you're, solve, you're, you're making a better world for the future for some of these, these incredibly talented, wonderful kids. That's incredible. What, uh, what a wonderful uh, gesture uh, to, give, to give some of your royalties to that cause. So go uh, get the book. It is a fantastic book. I have, uh, uh, it is heavily earmarked. And um, for anybody that's ever been on my website, although I don't do it justice, uh, I've been following Don, your methodology since the first time that I, uh, that I heard you and hopefully somewhat um, uh, close to the way it should be uh, done. Well, I, um, I'm so grateful. I just wanted to say thanks so much for being uh, on the show today, Don. That was hugely insightful, and I know everybody's going to get a lot out of it, and I just hope you have a, a great week. My absolute pleasure. Thanks for having me. Thanks a lot.